one meeting really can change everything. And so God, be, be outrageous, be audacious. You have to stand out. There are a lot of people in the world. You really have to do a lot to stand out, but do it in a way that's relevant and adds value to the person you're trying to reach. Welcome to Dialed In. I have a very special show for you guys lined up today. Stu Hynek, the author of How to Get a Meeting with Anyone and Get the Meeting, the follow-up. So job seekers out there, salespeople especially, if you guys are struggling to get a meeting, meetings are how we network with people. Um, if you're struggling, this is a great episode to tune into. Stu, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm in the green room still, but how are you? <laughs> you're good, man. I love, uh, I love the green room there, minus the green room graphics, as you pointed to earlier. <laughs> It works you'd really, though. You'd be really impressed if I could get that graphic up there. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Oh yeah, I'd be very impressed because we're using just a Chrome-based browser for the for the show. So it'd be very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, Stu, just wanted to get into your quick backstory here for those that don't know you. Um, I think a lot of people do know who you are, which is awesome. Um, you've brought a lot of value to those of us in entrepreneurship community and salespeople in general. Um, maybe just. Uh, Give us the quick, uh, the quick backstory. Sure. Well, you know, I, I have this crazy background. Um, I, of course, I'm a marketer. I mean, I'm a Hall of Fame nominated marketer twice, um, but I'm also one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists, and um, and of course the author of the two books. So that's a crazy. I think it's kind of a crazy background. It's kind of hard to explain what those are and why they even how they even link at all. But actually, they do link really well because. You know, when I was when I was starting out, um, as you could tell, a long time ago, who goes with that saying? <laughs> but when I was starting out, um, I wanted to use cartoons in direct marketing, and all of the pundits of of, of, mar of direct marketing at the time were saying, "Don't use humor; it doesn't work." And I always thought, well, where I was thinking then, they don't know what they're talking about because humor is—I mean, what well, really cartoons are. You, According to readership surveys, the best read and remembered parts of magazines and newspapers. And they also, I, there was another study that, that came out that said that they were better read than the front page in newspapers. That's amazing. I mean, that's the, the newspaper, you remember those? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the whole, the newspaper was wrapped in the front page. But, but they dig in, um, find the cartoons, and those would be better read and remembered than the front page. So I knew that cartoons. Or, and you know humor. I mean, think about the nature of humor. It's it's truth revealed in a twist. If you think about it, every time you've laughed, every time you've found yourself just sort of gagging with laughter, you often or we often find ourselves saying, "Oh my God, it's so true. That's so true." Well, I've been through something like that. I've been through. I know someone like that, but it's always, "Oh my God, that's so true." So here you have this thing that gets more attention than just about anything you could put in print, perhaps on screen as well. Um, Although I think video, I don't know. I'm not sure about, I mean, we've seen lots of evidence of it working well on screen too. But anyway, more, more response, or sorry, I should, more interest, more, uh, more readership and more memorability than just about anything you could put on print. You put it right. in print and then, yeah, it has this, I'll read it, they're going, ha, I love that, that's cool. Now what's happened in that moment is they've internalized this point of agreement. I mean, it's actually like shooting fish in a barrel. It's just, you know, it was really, really effective. So I started out a long time ago doing that, 
using cartoons in in uh, direct mail campaigns and of course we went out and creamed all kinds of all the controls out there and it was it was great people tried to copy what i did but eventually you know first they were listening to the pundits who said don't use humor it doesn't work then they're saying okay let's listen to Stu. or, or i don't even know if they knew who i was but they're saying hey have you seen those 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 cartoon mailings that forbes is putting out and and um let me think you know sime inc and um Condé Nast right because so you're because you're tapping into the emotional um aspect of all of us I think so i humor. think it's a it, it was a precursor to contact marketing because in contact marketing we want to humanize ourselves to the people we're trying to with. and i think that that the direct mail campaigns probably did that in a way because you know people just were responding to them in a very different way they would clip the cartoons out and stick them up on the refrigerator doors those kinds of things and that's not what the way you know people wouldn't respond to fake checks that way that came in the right <laughs> so absolutely not that's kind of the background okay all right so uh so so you started off sending off these cartoons you would draw cartoons of C ceos uh in, in like a humor type fashion you'd mail them out and then you'd get the meeting right yeah i mean well so going back again to those early days um i really wanted to work with magazine publishers as clients for because they were the biggest and most sophisticated direct uh, users of direct response right. so you know there aren't that many of them there aren't that many big publishers around so really when when i when it all came down to it all i really needed well here's the thing i, I created these two test campaigns for one for rolling stone and one for bon appetit and both of those test campaigns beat their controls. That's a big deal. I mean, if you, and I should explain what, what I mean by controls. In statistics, there's always a control group that you test against. There's always a constant. And in, in direct response, you're, the, the control is actually the most effective thing they'd ever put in the mail. So you're always, if you create a campaign, you're creating a test campaign, and, and you're always competing against the best thing they've ever put out. So if you tie that control, that means you just tied the record for response. If you beat the control, that's huge. And that's what happened the first two, two times out. So it was good. And I thought, okay, good. This is my chance to, to bring this to the rest of the publishing industry. So what I needed to do was reach probably about two dozen VPs and directors of circulation or consumer marketing. Um, and so I put together this little campaign it was almost nothing it was just it was just eight by ten print of a cartoon each one about each recipient um and uh because that's i was using cartoons and personalization so so a personalized cartoon eight by ten print and then a letter that just said this is the device i just used to beat the controls for rolling stone and bon appetit and we should put this to the test for your titles and so you know when i'm speaking to a big group I'll, i usually will say, so what do you think? What, you know, we hear, we always hear that direct, we used to hear in direct mail that if you get a 1% response, you're doing really good. That's a standard response. There is no such number actually, but if you're doing right. really well, that's what everyone expects. And, and then if you look at, I don't know, you look at digital um, uh, marketing response rates, like let's say click through rates, they're thousands of a percent. So I'll ask the, the audience, so what do you think I got for a response? It's like, you know, 10% would be amazing, wouldn't it? And right so the, nobody's sitting in an audience in front of me anyway so um so I, I won't ask everyone to guess but it was we, so i got through to all of them so it was a hundred percent response rate and then i sold to all of them became clients hundred percent response rate 
right? 100%, yeah, so 100% response rate in terms of, of breaking. You, through. Got a, you, got a, you elicited a response. And, they they and returned. 100% conversion rate because all of them became clients. And wow. this, all, this all happened from a, from a campaign. I didn't even know what to call it. I was calling it a, a contact campaign because I had to call it something. But, right. Um, so from this little contact campaign that went to 24 people and I spent maybe $100 on it. And it, it was worth, I mean, it unlocked millions of dollars worth of business <laughs> and, and wow. established my business. So that was my first contact patch with contact marketing. It was pretty amazing. And when, when was that? What, what year was that? Oh, my God. That was in 18. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just. That just, was, just, just, uh, for the, just for the context, just for the context in, of, of the room. It was it was in the in the late 80s. OK. Yeah. All right. So and, and so you broke you broke through you broke the through way, the barriers of. Huh? <laughs> I don't mean 1880s. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, you're not that old. Not at all, man. Uh, age is just a number anyway. Just uh, just laps around That's true. the sun, right? That's true. So, well, so, so all that happened, right? So you're you're really inspired, and then you write this book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. Um, what was the what was the premise behind that to like get you to finally write that book? Yeah, well, well, so you know that first campaign, I'm thinking, wow. That was amazing. By the way, I'm being told all those same pundits who said humor doesn't work also used to say 100% response rates were not possible. Right. So I was keeping that zipped. I mean, I, I can't tell people about this because they're going to think I'm, I'm. I also see UFOs, you know, or something like that. <laughs> um, so I, you know, um, here's the thing, though. I, I, I thought that was just so amazing that I just thought, okay, I'm going to. Well, not I'm going to go wild, but just. I'm going to use this and play around. So who else can I reach? How far can this go? And I reached out to presidents and prime ministers and lots of CEOs and C-level executives and so on. Um, I was getting through to people that I, I should just, I always say I should never be able to get through to them, but obviously I should because I, I did. Because you did. Um, yeah, I did. So I guess I was supposed to get through to them. It just felt kind of crazy, you know, but... Um, I, right. I mean, it just, I was reaching almost anybody. And I thought, which is not to say I can reach everybody. I mean, there are people who don't want to be reached or, or they may not like, I don't know, they might not like what I have to say or, or they're not in the market for that. Or, or I don't know. There are still people who, who a lot of variables and convinced, but yeah. So, so you wrote, so you wrote the book and then people started sending you examples, right? Um, I, I know somebody yeah, here yeah. on yeah, LinkedIn yeah. zone. LinkedIn's top voice, Kristen Gallucci, someone who I frequently talk to as well. She's out there. Hello, Kristen. Oh, good. So oh, good. she was she was on your podcast. Her example made it into your book. Uh, maybe you could share some some of those examples. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have. Yeah, I sort of digressed there. But but so as I as I went along, I thought, well, that's really. First of all, I thought, aren't I cool, man? I've got a secret weapon. I can get through to anybody. Those cartoons, you know, the cartoon pieces. Right. But but then I realized, well. Hey, you know, I'm not the only one that's faced with this challenge. So what's everyone else doing? And that's when things got really, really interesting because, you know, I started at first just a few stories here and there, but they started popping up more and more that people are doing the, just the most amazing, audacious, clever things. Sometimes it's sometimes it's really simple, something really simple, like sending a one guy sent me a block of wood through the mail. 
It's in the book, actually. I, I but, read that. Yeah, I mean, so that's audacious, you know. There wasn't, it's just a scrap of wood. Then he put postage on it, wrote my name on it, an address, and sent it. Um, and it worked. I mean, it's in the book, you know. Right. It made, you know, it, it, made it in the book. Yeah, and then others did very a lot of things. Had Dan Walshman on the on the program? You should, if you haven't. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. He's brilliant. He's just a brilliant guy and audacious as hell. I mean, this guy runs hundred mile races and wins. You know, I run the hundred mile. No, I don't. <laughs> no, say, yeah, I never win. But, but I don't even run them. I mean, that's just amazing. But. And he also writes the, the blog Edgy Conversations. So, and it's a sales blog. And um, he was telling me, though, that his method for breaking through, um, he's a, what he does actually his day job is he's a turnaround specialist. So, so his method for breaking through to the CEOs of these, uh, you know, companies in his house is that he, he scans the business news every morning and he looks for stories of missed earnings estimates. When he finds one, he has this beautiful sword made up. And you know, the camera won't even allow me to show you how big it is, because it's really huge. It's, it's a big sword, full-size sword, move, made by the, the prop maker who, who makes all the, or who made all the, all, the, all the swords for the movie Gladiator. So these are beautiful swords. They're not sharpened, by the way. Um, and he has, he has the CEO's name engraved on the blade and, um, and an inscription, if you're not all in, you're not, on, you're not in at all. Um, it's one of Dan's favorites. It's put in this beautiful wooden box, felt like right. box, and um, and with a handwritten note that says, "Hey, dear, dear Kurt, uh, you know I know business is war, and I noticed you lost a battle recently. I just wanted to let you know if you ever need a few extra hands in battle, we've got your back, Dan." Now you know I don't even think that goes on his letterhead. I think it's and he doesn't put his cards in there. I mean, he might have write his his phone number in there. I don't know, but but he's. I guess the thing is, the thing that I think is really interesting about that is that there are none of the elements, traditional elements of branding. There's no logos. There's no business card. Business cards are a waste anyway. But there's no business card. No, you know, there's just none of that stuff that, that we think makes a brand. But Dan makes a huge impression. Therefore, really important. It really builds his brand, his personal brand immediately because here's what's happening. These, these CEOs get this sword, they read the note, and they're going, wow. And they all, actually, he gets 100% response rate to that campaign. So obviously, they're all saying, wow, this guy, I love the way this guy thinks. And, you know, we're, we've got a problem, and he's a turnaround specialist. He's telling us how he thinks. This is incredible. You know, isn't that what we all should be doing? Shouldn't we all be, whatever it is that we do to reach out to someone of, of great importance, someone who's great in, greatly important to us, someone who can expand the scale of our, our career or our business, shouldn't we be reaching out to them in a way that has them saying, wow, I love the way you think, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the, I think that's sort of the gold standard. So, right, so that, that, that's the takeaway. You want people to yeah. say, wow, I love the way you think, Stu. Absolutely. And they do. I mean, I send them cartoons. I know they do. <laughs> it helps now that I'm also one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists. <laughs> No. Right. Then it's that, of, that helps. Has a catch. Yeah. Little little notoriety there. Yeah, it helps. Um, uh, you speak openly about this as well. Um, you you even found a wife this way, in in a lot of ways, right? I, I heard you on a podcast say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I did. 
That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I mean, really, like personal relationships and business relationships. There's not much difference there. Maybe the physical level is different, but it's yeah, you know when you're trying to get a client, you basically got to date the client a little bit, take them out to lunch, and you know build that relationship. Well, I, very you know, similar. Certainly, I think certainly in both cases, and also when you're looking for a job, you you must humanize humanize yourself. I mean, you've got to stand out in some way, or right. else you don't stand out. And that's true in business. It's true in in in. Um, romantic relationships it's true and in, in getting uh getting a job getting finding partners for i should say strategic partners or mentors or, i mean really if you think about it meetings are at the core of human experience if we every everything that we've everything that we've achieved in life every good thing that's happened in life probably or mostly has happened because you connect with someone Right. Right. I mean, someone important. You wouldn't have even known, perhaps, that it was that they were that important or so, so pivotal in your in your life. But but that's really where it comes from. And it's everybody has to get meetings. They do. We all do. Yeah. We all do. So, so if you're still picking up the phone, cold calling, and you're burning through a thousand people, and you know, people talk about personal brand, right? But personal brand is just reputation. So burning through a thousand people through cold calls and no one likes that. Um, maybe, maybe with some of them you're fine. Maybe some you do get through. Maybe other ones, they block you forever, right? That's true, yeah. That's right. So true. you got to think, think very strategically about how you want to interact with other people and how you want to get their attention. So how do you think, how do you think I, I, saw, I know you have some great examples in there. The sword is awesome. I love that example as well. Like the guy mails a, a sword. Like that's, yeah. that's bold. Of course, like hopefully you get a 100% response right from there. And I, I, think, I think he did just about. But well, what are some more examples like with digital as well, right? So video, yeah. people coming on video more. You said that you were vlogging now, take, taking a phone with you yeah. and, and recording your trips now. So how do you think how do you think yeah. this all can play into it? I think I think it can well, all exist together, like the digital, the contact, and then traditional sales. I think it all can exist in one ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, so so actually, in 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 my new, so I have two books out. One's How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. That one came out in 2016, and um, and then then Get the Meeting. So in that new book, Get the Meeting, um, you know, I started out by I, I was. People loved the the first book, and they're still using the first book. Actually, it's not out of date. It's none of the none of those things, but they were people were saying, "I wish I could have seen what these some of these campaigns look like." And so, we started by by saying, "Let's as a follow up to how to get a meeting, really as a as a companion to how to get a meeting with anyone, let's let's put together a, you know this whole group of uh, let's say maybe seventy case studies with photography this time." and show what these campaigns look like. So that's where it started. But I realized as I was working through the book that we, that it's actually defining a new model. And uh, and so the new model has, I mean, we still use outreach campaign, outreach pieces, mm -hmm. but we also have integrated a digital persistence um, track to the, to the model and then also pocket campaigns replacing business cards because we have chance meetings anytime and we should be pulling people into our campaign or we should have the ability to pull them into our campaign just by whipping something out of our pocket, right? Just like a card, yeah. better. 
So, um, so you, you asked about digital, and one of the things that I think is really interesting, Terminus and Rollworks are two, um, two, uh, two platforms that do something really interesting. They, um, they allow you to run retargeting ads or remarketing ads to people that you want to connect with before you even, you've connect, obviously haven't connected with them. So they haven't come to your site to set a pixel so that you can, so that they're just seeing your ads if you're, if you're using remarketing, but they, right. they make it available so that you can use actually what Google calls um, customer match. You match a list to third party pixels and suddenly you can suddenly start running ads to the people you want to connect with. That's pretty cool. And so, in fact, I integrated that into our into our model. We should be doing. We should have those ads going out. All, we should be finding ways to pixel people or or use customer match to you know, to have people sh see our ads, see an ad for from us. Let's say two weeks before we reach out, during the time that we reach out, and then throughout the the sales cycle, and perhaps even uh, once they become clients or customers at, in a retention program, they they should constantly be seeing those ads from us. And so here's what an ad is. So if I was trying to reach you um, using this, uh, I might use an ad that shows the, the two covers of my books and the headline that says one meeting can change everything because it really can. Uh, and then there would mm -hmm. be a link that, you know, the, a, a uh, buy it on Amazon link perhaps, or buy it on Barnes and Noble, but or books a million, et cetera. But I'm just going to use Amazon for the moment an example then so here's this little here's this little button on the ad that says buy on amazon and the effect is it looks like amazon is actually advertising my books or backing my books and it looks like a national campaign that's i mean it's you know you, you might see it on the wall street journal or fox or or new york times wherever you get your news or whatever kind of news you'd like to get you might see it there wherever you go actually two million sites are or so are in the, in the Google Display Network. So wherever wherever that person goes, they'll see your ads. It's going to look like a big national campaign for your book or my book. So when I then call them, they're going to be going, "Oh my God, you're the guy whose whose books I wow, that's that's impressive. I, I love this." So um, so that's that's helpful. Again, I think it's it. I think it really does boil down a few things. It boils down to, but certainly one is we must humanize ourselves. We can't just be a stranger or a name. We can't, and, and it doesn't happen by connecting on LinkedIn or any other social media platform, <clears throat> at least not immediate or immediately or, or automatically. I mean, when you, when you connect with someone on LinkedIn, it's just kind of a, hey, how's it going? It, you know, like you're waving to someone going the other direction on the freeway and it's like, poof, they're gone, it's done. And they're right. more, you know, it's 10 more already. So that alone doesn't really create enough of an impression. And you need to create an impression. You need to define yourself as a person of these people that you're trying to reach. So, so I think digital is a, is a great way to do it. You mentioned, you mentioned video and, and vlogs. Well, <clears throat> I was telling you that, well, I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell this story really quickly because I think this illustrates, to me it illustrates the, the impact of video versus just audio or, or written uh, written words and so i have a there's a favorite group of guys or great i should say favorite set of of channels on youtube that, that i just love to watch them so these the, the people who have the channels they're all members of what of the group they call themselves the flying cowboys and these fly they fly these these high wing 
stall or short takeoff or landing, in other words, um, bush planes. And, you know, little engines and, they, and, and their, their tires, the tires are huge, they're big balloon tires so they can land on anything and anywhere. And they fly around and they, they just know how to put this, they know how to shoot, they've got beautiful footage and they know how to edit for great dramatic effect. But, you know, also they're flying around and landing on mountaintops together. I mean, a bunch of them, they're all, a bunch of planes land on the mountain top and they can do it. The takeoff and landing roll is something like a hundred feet. It's just crazy. So they'll do that or they'll skim rivers and I mean, they'll actually put the tires in the water and they call it water skiing and they'll land on gravel bars in the, in the, in these, um, they're out in the West, they're, they're out in Utah and in Idaho and some the country is beautiful. And, and when they land, they'll launch, they'll launch their, um, their drones and get aerial footage of what they're doing. The, the thing is, it's just stunning and dramatic. And I want to go out and I want to buy one of these planes and join these guys. But you know, it, it, that's I, the impact that, that it has on you when you watch it. I want to Yeah, I want to go do it. I, I definitely I want to go join these guys. I want to go hang out and dip my tires in the water, and, you know, land on mountaintops and, and so on. Just hang out, you know, and just take off and go to another place and just just hang out together. And do that. It would be a blast. But the thing is, is, you know, it's I would almost call their their videos addictive. Um, but <clears throat> You know, if if I if I, I what I realized was that if I <clears throat> if I listened to a, a podcast, it wouldn't have had this, the same effect. I mean, I would have thought, well, that's kind of cool, but I wouldn't be going. I wonder if they have another video up. You know, oh god, you know, oh good, there's one. These guys get lots and lots of of views. They get them fast, and and it's just, you know, I don't know. It's just so I, I I'm just going to say that that video. If you're not using video in your in your outreach, and it's pretty easy to do, you can sign up. You can actually sign up for a free Vidyard account and start doing it right now. Right. Uh, and there are others. You know, there, there are several several others. Um, but so if you're not using video in your outreach, you're really missing out on it on, on something. I mean, you've probably noticed that when you meet people in person, it just has a it has a very beneficial effect. They get to know you. And, right. Absolutely. Um, and so video is the next best thing i think actually i mean we're we're i now i see you on my screen and and we're hanging out and talking together I and mean, i feel like i know you already and it's yeah it's, it, it builds that instant connection problems. yeah so people are in the comments here they want us to bring some more value here um so maybe some more examples so like okay. if you're let's let's say if you're a job seeker right because yeah. I, I think for sales it's obvious but maybe for job seekers, it's not so obvious. You know, they're going through these, what's it called? The ATS systems, application tracking system. They call that like a black hole, right? Yeah, um, I'm sure it is. So they're, they're, they're dealing with applying online everywhere, going to like countless networking events. And, you know, maybe to a point, they still got to do that stuff too. But what, what would, what's something that you've heard of someone doing uh, as a job seeker and getting, getting out of that? Well, you know, just this morning, um, I, I opened up um, my, my LinkedIn account. I'm looking, and uh, <clears throat> one guy reached out. And he said, you know, I'm looking for a job, and, um, and I wanted to know what you thought of, of what I'm doing here. And so he designed this. Um, it's almost hard to describe, but it's these, these um, really thin, really thin, I think, it's, I think it's birch plywood, but it might be eighth-inch plywood, something like that. And he's having his 
his resume and his letters burned into or etched into it using laser. And whoa, uh, and, okay. And then, and there's then he's but he's also including a gift. So this is a pretty cool thing. That there's a third um, a third layer to it, and this thing is a it's really hard to describe, but it's a there are two cross braces that form a bowl and then there's a and then there's this one i'm going to try to get in front there's this one round piece where the, the laser has inscribed it's cut all at this big 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 spiral so what so you take the two pieces out they they click click together and they they form a a four-way set of braces and then you take the the um, the, the spiral piece out very carefully because it's in that shape so then you just drop it in, into that frame the, the bottom of it sags down into the frame and it forms a bowl in other words and you know actually I've, I've used a lot of words to describe something but if i just showed you the bowl you'd be going oh my god isn't it cool they could put this bowl right on their desk and and it's, uh, it's so so he so thing. essentially he, he sends um a piece of wood with his resume it's like a sheet of paper wood right with yeah. his resume etched yeah. in and this fancy bowl one-of-a-kind bowl that you would never find anywhere because he made this yeah right it's something you might i think it's i i would say that's something you might find in the moma museum art of modern art store i don't know if you've ever been there but they have these fascinating things there and it's almost like something you'd find there really cool stuff um so i i don't god we've got to do an interview because i think it's fascinating so um you know and i've used i use cartoons tunes i and i i do that for clients i, I have programs that that um are set up for clients to use my cartoons to to break through um and so you know i've, I've worked with some friends and my sister and so on because i got so then i got there what what happened as a result and and we use big boards to, i mean i helped one uh, one person use a big board to to get a job and they had already interviewed and um, they were interviewing for a sales job, sales position. And it was big for a big company. And they were, the, the company wanted to hire sales reps who were capable of breaking through to CEOs. So, so we, they had the, so the friend had had an uh, interview and they're saying, gosh, you know, I, I just, they were even telling me, well, I'm just not sure you can break through to CEOs. And, and I'm not sure what to do next. And I'm not sure I, want, I like this idea because, man, this is just really, this is intimidating. Um, and I don't know if I actually can. Maybe they're right. And I said, no, 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 no. Come on. Let's use, I love when you, I love doing these kinds of things. So look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to use, we're going to use a big board. It's this big 18 by 24 inch, quarter inch thick foam core board. And we'll put a cartoon about the, about the, the, the guy you interviewed with. So we'll put the cartoon on there, you know, it's by, and, and at that point it was by one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists. That's pretty cool, right? Right. And on the other side, there's a message from, um, from, the, from, from her um, explaining, no, I, I actually do think I can break through to CEOs. And when he got that big board, he's saying, oh my God, yes, of course. He was absolutely convinced, so she got the job. And of course, then he was saying, well, I can't wait to see what other ideas you have. She's going, oh my God, what other ideas should I have? You know, but... But but that works. It work. It works really well. So what are we saying here? I mean, the thing is, you know, I'm sending some. We're sending something that 
really grab the attention of someone at the very, very top of an organization or, or the decision maker in an organization and humanize it to yourself. It's the same thing. It's just still, oh my God, look at who is this person who sent this thing? This is incredible. Or the bowl, the, the laser cut bowl. Who thinks of this? I got to meet this person, right? I mean, that's, you can go to networking events and you can, you can respond to, to job listings and so on and use meta, meta tags and so on. Good. I mean, that's great. But, you know, ultimately people make decisions still. <laughs> and, right. um, and they're going to go with the people they, that, that, that are, they're really impressed with. And I would say it's the people who circumvent all of that crap, actually. Right. Because, and I think to, all, to tie into all this, to the point, I think you, you'll agree with this. Like everything has been commoditized to the point, like any skill, anything that you do, like someone else is doing somewhere else. So, yeah. I mean, w within the general masses, right? So the general masses of industry and everything else. So in order to stand out, you have to circumnavigate that stuff. Because somebody has a buddy somewhere that does the exact same thing that you do, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, but they're also doing what what you're, what everyone else is, thinks they should be doing to stand out. So they're working yes. on their resumes, you know, and they're gonna and, and they're working on the key keywords and all that stuff, and that's great. I mean, I you know the thing is, I haven't looked for a job in a very very long time. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah. I didn't have that experience, but if I had one, if I had to find a job, I would be going out. I, I'd be reaching out to the CEO and um and connecting with them that's just the way i would do it i mean i, I know that there I, I have to do more than that but and hr won't won't be really happy about that but i don't i don't know i just that's what i would be doing and right and I, well I would do because so the, the sword sense. the sword example earlier right if everyone everywhere was sending swords then sending a sword yeah. wouldn't be cool and sexy like if everyone was cold calling right it's not cool and sexy anymore so you got to be different. Right. So if everyone starts to do contact marketing, which I doubt because it's it's harder, there's more friction, there's more resistance there, um, then maybe the phone cold calling would stand out again, you know, something like that. <laughs> well, you know, what's so, funny is, you know, yeah. I, I, I told you that I started my career creating direct mail campaigns. And, right. You know, and of course, it was known as junk mail, except for mine. <laughs> right. Because people were clipping out things and I'm clipping out the cartoons and keeping them. But... Um, because you're not sending them your logo with like a picture of you standing there like this, best real estate in the in the world, right? You're not sending them that type of marketing. That is a big yawn. You know, right. nothing to do with the people that you're reaching out to, actually. It's all about them. So, yeah, well, it is. It actually is. I mean, that's why the cartoons, all of my cartoons, any in any marketing campaign, all of my cartoons are personalized. So... It is about the recipient. It's absolutely about the recipient. But you know, look, the thing is, you're given in that case, you're giving them this great experience. Um, if they're, if they're, I don't know, if they if they hunt or if they're, if they're let's say they'd like to fish, and you send them a cartoon about them being great fishermen, um, it's got to be done very carefully, and 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 it's and there's a real knack to it. It's not obvious at all what actually has to happen or go into these cartoons. But if you get it right, man, they love it. They just absolutely love it. And when we send our, our big boards, that, that contact piece, I can tell you that, you know, again, it's 18 by 24 inches and it's this hard board, hard foam board. And um, it's something that people keep in their offices the rest, I think, the rest of their career. Do, do, you, do you have an example of it on your desktop? Well, there, there's 
the, I, they're, they're on your computer, like an image. But, but, but before I go there, I'll, I'll just because they're they're actually too big to even show. It'll just fill up the, it'll just fill up fill up the, uh, the lens. But but they're they're just these big. I can't even put my arms out big enough. In the, I mean, and capture it in the, in the screen. They're big, and wow, they're, um, yeah, they're they're pretty cool things. So anyway, I mean, you know, those end up staying in their offices the rest of their careers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah. So so I I mean, you, you're answering this live right now as you're saying this, but but Liz just asked, how do you get to the CEO? That's her specific oh, question. Oh. <laughs> um, and I, I think you just answered that. But go ahead. CEOs, but I mean, like when Dan Waldschmidt sends his sword, that's going to CEOs, right? And and often my cartoons are going to the CEOs. But the CEOs, well, I think the thing to know about CEOs, and I don't know what what context she's talking about. I don't know whether it's to get a job or or to sell something else. Yeah, Liz, let us know. Is this to get a job or is this to sell something to them? Yeah, yeah. So let us know. But but in the meantime, you know, I get the thing we need to know about CEOs that they're is that they're obviously they're we just it's pretty obvious they're busy. When you hear about if if you're going to to if you're trying to meet someone who is the CEO of a Fortune 1000 or Fortune 250, <clears throat> it gets re- exponentially tougher. And the reason is that their their time is just it's so it's there's there's so many demands on their time and really ultimately it's so val their time is really valuable terribly valuable and so if you know we keep hearing about ceos and ceo compensation and how wildly expensive they are well think about you know if, if the company is paying them that they're worth multiples of that to the company so every minute of their time is it could be worth i don't know 10 15 20 thousand dollars or more perhaps more i don't know so when you want to ask you want to take some of that time you better have a damn good reason for it so you shouldn't set, you shouldn't send them a LinkedIn notice that says, "Hey, I want to pick your brain for 15 minutes." Mm, no, you don't want to pick their brains. No. <laughs> However, but basically, you're you just know, asking them for fifteen thousand dollars, well, depending on how much they make. Yeah, could I have fifteen thousand dollars of your time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In other words, about 30, 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe <laughs> could be that. Um, you have to so. You know, and someone who's selling, let's say, window cleaning services, something really operational or tactical, the CEO is not going to get involved in that anyway. So you've got to be careful. Anthony Iannarino says it really beautifully. Um, do, you, do you know Anthony? No. He said, oh, God, so. big author, you should have him on your show. But he, he says um, what you really would like to then find is the CEO of the problem you're trying to reach. I mean, so trying to correct or, or fix. So right. So like for me, that would be CIO, CISO. Yeah. And I know because we've talked, I know you're, you're getting through to those, those people and they're not easy to get through to either. No, um, especially CISOs and CIOs. So, um, but so back to Liz's question, I think you have to have really relevant value and you better know what that value is and how it fits in with what, what they're doing and saying, you really, you've got to, you can't just call up and say, I'd like to pick your brain <laughs> or, I'd like to meet with you to find out Gesundheit. So, or, or, or to find, or to, to understand your needs. You need to come in understanding their needs. Now, here's another one, really interesting one. Um, Curtis Brooks from the Magis Groups, Magis Group does something really interesting. Uh, they produce unsolicited proposals. 
and these these are they sort of read like I don't know, he calls them storyboards, but I would say sort of like an eight-page or nine-page infographic. Okay. <clears throat> but, but there's a lot of research. Well, I mean, infographics represent a lot of research. So there certainly is a lot of research that goes into this. So it explains what, the, what, what, they, what their assumptions are and what they think. Actually, it explains first what, their, what the, the identified opportunity is and then what their assumptions are and how the identified opportunity might play out in their business um, and what the next steps are and then even who should be in the meeting so they've done that much research so who on their team should be in the meeting and they they actually suggest a time so basically they're taking a meeting not even not even asking for a meeting it's really impressive stuff so i would say even even an unsolicited proposal would be a much nicer thing to do than sending a resume I mean, you would never send a resume to to a CEO, I think. I mean, if right. they ask for it, I suppose that would make sense. But otherwise, geez, you wouldn't you wouldn't just send it with a cover letter. I mean, that would be silly. But I'll, you know, right. now that I've said that, I'll bet somebody has come up. There have been probably many stories of people who come up with a way for that to make sense. So even that mm -hmm. could make sense. Yeah. Um, the, I don't know. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I don't know if Liz came back to us. Did, did she come back? Yeah, she, she came back. She said that my helicopter is in the shop. <laughs> oh, then she read the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yes. But the demo tape's ready, I hope, Liz. <laughs> demo tape ready? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a, that's a reference from the book. I remember I that so. one, too. Yeah, yeah, Chris Christopherson. Was that, was that a Johnny Cash reference? Chris Christopherson was trying to, trying to befriend yes. Johnny Cash. Yeah. Yes. See, yeah, I, I read the book. Flew a helicopter finally and landed it on Johnny's front lawn and handed him the tape. Yeah, that is awesome. That is and awesome. Liz, if you're going to do that, I want to hear about it. It would be a great right. way to get a job and, and connect with the CEO, I guess. Yeah, sure. let me know when your helicopter's out of the shop. I'd love to borrow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, awesome. Um, I'll just mention one. You know, if we're, if we're still on that question, where we can move on, you let me know which. No, which, yeah, keep going. I yeah. think. I think. I don't think we could provide enough context around that. So yeah, that's keep true. on going. And that's what this is about. That's true. So, you know, um, one of the things that I've discovered, okay, so, so this year, I, I finally did something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I started a, I guess it's a foundation, although we don't have a 501c3 um, or status yet, but um, it's something called cartoonists.org. And it's, so we're a group of, so far, we're a group of cartoonists from the Wall Street journal and the new yorker and we're we're donating art to help charities raise funds so you know when they have a when they have a, a gala event and a, and a live auction then we want them to start well then we we, we provide artwork that they can um, that they can auction and whatever they whatever's bid and paid 100 percent goes to the to the charity so hmm. <clears throat> so that's a pretty cool thing i'm just excited about it just it's it's a great mission there's a magic to cartoons and cartooning and and so we get to share that in a new way um by selling you know art, art pieces that that go up on a wall also gives a it, it gives a new context to cartoons because we're used to seeing them, them in magazines and newspapers but not necessarily on our walls and we don't think about them as something we might collect right you know, don't you don't think about art gallery and then cartoons like that doesn't doesn't register right away but no, i no, see how that 
uh, is changing and how that, that can change. Well, it needs to change because cartoons need new markets. So, for one, so yeah. I, it's also part of the mission is that I want to well, reframe single panel cartoons as something that you might collect and invest in. Right. Well, I mean, because, you know, arguably less and less people are reading physically the Wall Street Journal, right? Um, newspapers, period. But I see cartoons doing incredibly well on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram. I mean, they do incredibly well. So cartoons yeah. are, as cartoons themselves are very powerful. Whatever medium they, that they, they represent, are. either digital or physical, I don't think that matters yeah. as much as the fact of the cartoon itself. Yeah, yeah. Although, think about this, though. <clears throat> when someone, well, you know, when the New Yorker, the thing is, I think magazines are, they're not dying off, but they certainly have receded a lot right. in, in importance. And, and they're probably generational. I, I don't think that the, I mean, my kids don't read magazines at all. They, they read a lot. Yeah, I, I, I can't say that. Magazine. I can't remember the last one that I read, mm -hmm. honestly. And, and actually, I'm that way, too. I, I buy very, very few magazines now, but I used to buy a lot of them. So, um, so <clears throat> the thing is, when, when cartoonists were, were submitting to The New Yorker, and being published, they were, they were making a living just from that. But if you have cartoons that go out on Instagram or something, you're not making money from it. I guess you can make money from, from ads, but I don't know. Yeah. It's, they're not monetized the same way, that's for sure, or probably to the no. same level either. So They're not monetized you know, the same way that you are, sending them directly to CEOs to get high-level meetings. Well, I'm monetizing, that's true. That, I'm definitely right. doing that. That's true. But <clears throat> so um, I was going to <clears throat> one of the things that we that I'm discovering is that CEOs, most CEOs are also involved in charities or are involved mm -hmm. in charities. They've got their favorite charities. And so I've, I've discovered that if if. Um, <clears throat> you know, if I send a print of a cartoon, usually they're still personalized, but if I send a print of a cartoon to a CEO and I say, um, I hope you enjoy the cartoon. I'm, I'm sending it to you because I know you're involved with this charity and I'd like to introduce myself. I'm the founder of cartoonist.org and what it is and what we did that just that, you know, it's, we, we, we're donating art to help charities. <clears throat> and I'd like some of that help to go to the charities that you're supporting. So would, would you like to, would you like to connect? And I am connecting with, with people that way, I mean, with CEOs that way. And, and what's interesting is that if I do that, you know, I, I still want to sell. I mean, look, the way I make money is not from the books. I make money from consulting and from agency services. So um, so I can also ask the CEO, by the way, you probably noticed in the letter, I would say, you probably noticed that that these these pieces get a lot of attention. And so if that would if there's someone on your that supports your sales team um, that to whom this would be very helpful, I would love to get a connection with them as well. I'd love to get a referral to them as well. So what I end up doing is I end up meeting the, the CEO and connecting with the CEO on a, on a very, I mean, I'm humanizing myself in a big way. I'm going to help them with their, with their charities. That's a nice, just a nice thing to do. It's a great thing to do. And so at the, at the same time, I also am getting penetration in the organization um, for for consulting and, and agency services, <clears throat> but whether or not that happens, we still work with them on, with their charities. I, you know, it's it, the the cartoonist.org mission is a real mission, but I'm just noticing that 
it's actually just charity in general is just a volcano of, of, um, of incredible connections. You know, I would back to Liz's question. I would, I would think that it might make a lot of sense to, um, to join a chair. Yeah. Join the board of a charity. Um, because I have a feeling that you'd meet a lot of people that you might not meet otherwise. I think you'd end up finding, surprising yourself with the connection that you'd end up with suddenly. Hmm. That's really great advice. Yeah, and she she was actually talking about um, more so sales as well. So I think you touched on that. Yeah. So hey, yeah. um, the spontaneous thing that I just decided, um, I have your book on Kindle. I have the ability to screen share some stuff if with your permission is there sure. is there an image in here that i could share um that that you th can think of that i could share to show an example yeah you know i here's one that i think is pretty cool uh the, the cactus the 21 foot tall cactus what chapter is that in that's in the introduction we all remember the story recently of of amazon seeking a, a location for rhq for their second headquarters and and so um, that set off a frenzy of, of well really contact marketing from state and and um, city municipalities who wanted to get Amazon's attention and get them put in their bid to have Amazon show up with a lot of investment and a lot of jobs and so one of those uh, are, we, are you able to find it uh, I got it it's on the screen now Keep going. Oh, okay, I don't see it, but I can't see it, but that's okay. So, um, so one of those. Ah, there we go. Yes. Yeah, um, my, my so phone screen share into it. So we're good. Beautiful, beautiful. That's cool. So, um, so, uh, so Tucson, the, the development agency for Tucson, decided they would send a twenty foot, twenty one foot tall cactus to Amazon headquarters, and what you're seeing then on the, on the split screen is is there. That's the cactus that they were sending, and you know that's a a prickly kind of uh, contact device but i think it's pretty <laughs> cool i mean they did get their attention of course we know where the <laughs> we know the whole story you know the half went to washington half was going to go to new york then aoc quashed that and i guess i don't know where all where they are, all are now but but they didn't end up anywhere else however the cactus did uh did end up helping them land a dis distribution facility so they got they, they were able to develop four thousand jobs for tucson as a result of that, that's pretty cool. I think that's a by that's sending a, great a cactus, way. like literally sending a cactus, sending a big cactus on a flatbed <laughs> truck. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, Stu, I uh, appreciate all, all that uh, sharing your story today. Um, it, one last thing that you would leave us with. Well, I think it's probably the thing. One of the things I said originally, which is that one meeting really can change everything. And so, God, be be outrageous, be audacious. You have to stand out. There are a lot of people in the world. You really have to do a lot to stand out, but do it in a way that's relevant and adds value to the person you're trying to reach. Awesome. Well, thanks, Stu. Appreciate your time today. I know you got to oh, run. Thanks for having thanks. me. Thanks for being live with us. See you. Take care.